following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Breaking news the game has changed its logo. Yeah. I just put it up about an hour ago, hour and a half ago, and I found... uh, So I'm a big fan of the letter X. Ah! I think if there was... If one of the 26 letters was the rebel of the group... For sure. It's the X. For sure. Generation X. I mean, that was the rebel generation, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. They they, took no crap from nobody. Took no crap. Dude, and I like how today of all days would be the perfect time to roll out a new brand... I hear other people are rebranding, so I'm like, why not? Why not with the game? So I found an X. Public domain doesn't cost us a penny. Oh! And we're going to try it out for a day or two. Hell yeah. Which, by the way, um, there's another company out in San Francisco that is also rebranding and has changed its logo to an X. They were taking down their old sign, right? So dumb. In San Francisco. So dumb. Well, this, this, this famous owner that this company has. There was no permit to take the sign down, so the San Francisco Police Department shut it down. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, all our imaging that's being done, no permits necessary. Yes. Yes. We're making this whole brand change without p- spending a penny. That's so, why we keep you around, man. Business savvy. So we're going from the game to the X. Welcome to the X. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G., <laughs> and Travion Berkland wearing a Dead & Company t-shirt today. Phone number is 537-1350, but we're going to hold on to that for right now because we've got a guest coming up here real quick. Is X on the f- uh, on the dial there? It was, would it be a 539-000000? Is X on there? What 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 number is the X on the uh I the can't phone? remember, man. I, I don't either because I remember back in the day you used to text zero. and you had to hit the five like seven times yeah. to, get a, to get, a, get a P. Let's see. I, I got you right here. The X is nine. Okay. It was on the nine. So is the, on the nine. Nine, 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 nine. Call us up. Let us know what you think about the old rebrand. Somebody get a hold of Cox and see if that number's available. God, I hope it goes better than the last time that someone tried that in town. Oh. Tried to brand themselves the X. It just didn't go well. I don't remember that. <laughs> I don't either. That's why. That's <laughs> ah! Oh my god. Yeah, that's probably why. Is that the joke? Is that oh it was that just god. a joke? <laughs> okay. That was all right. That was okay. You know, that, that's okay, that's Troy. Lot, that's really similar to taste the soup. What's wrong with this? Is it too cold? Taste the soup. So fly in it. Taste the soup. Okay, where's the spoon? Aha. Aha. That took me a little bit, but you, you know what? That's... Right until 5.30 today. Uh, Royals coming up at 5.30. Meanwhile, 5.10. Uh, the really only cool thing, I guess, about the Royals today is that... Uh, 40 years ago today was the George Brett pine tar incident, so we're going to look back on that day. Man, that footage never gets old. No, man. it does not. God, he was so <laughs> Meanwhile, I want to get DG's uh, two cents on an MMA fighter coming back at the age of 57. <laughs> but. Didn't have enough brain damage? 
Well, that might be in result of brain damage. Oh, Still no. thinks he's 33. <laughs> uh, we're kicking things off with a very special guest, Mason Vogt, the former host of this show. Now he is the editor of Email Online, joins us via the Zoom. Mason, what's your favorite letter? Don't have one. Uh, don't have a favorite color either. Don't have a, a lot of favorite things. I, I leave that to elementary school girls. Hmm. How is your favorite color not purple? I'm I'm pretty indifferent on colors. I mean, I got a lot of purple in my closet, obviously, and I don't hate it. Let's uh, flip but it around. Not, I wouldn't call it my favorite color. Let's flip it around then. Do you have a least favorite letter, least favorite color? Uh, definitely not a least favorite letter. I, I could really care less there, probably. Color-wise, I green, maybe. Uh, I don't know. It's just not a color that I, I've thought of as ever looking great. It's probably the, the color of shirts that I have the least of. So I guess I would say green, but again, no strong feelings on it. To be honest with you, not the biggest fan of J's. And when it comes to uh, colors, I don't like wearing red. Not a red guy. Doesn't work for me. Uh, DG's not really a red guy either. No, because it's like it makes people angry. Green, envy, red, angry. And my f- least favorite two, uh, real quick, my least favorite two letters, uh, M and V. Oh, hate them. What a coincidence. Hate them. What, what a coincidence Can't today. stand them. How do you feel about that uh, That letter D? Love it. D, D okay. great. G, awesome. Uh, M and V, <laughs> see ya. Mason, do we have a baby update? How's Bud doing? Uh, Well, Bud's fine. The baby, obviously, still not here. Yep. Um, we still have, I mean, we, I think it's, I'll do the math, like 18 days until the actual uh, due date. Ooh. But when we went into the doctor on Friday, I was kind of hoping she'd be like, well, we're starting to see some signs, like maybe it'll come. Because it's at the point now where it's like there's so little time left that it wouldn't make a difference if she came now. And so there's just kind of this anticipation and like sitting around and waiting type of deal. Um, so... Hopefully we find out sometime soon that she wants to come. But I'm playing in the golf tournament now on Saturday with with a buddy that's coming down, so she has to wait at least until Sunday now. <laughs> that's the that's the new agreement. But after that, she can do whatever she wants uh, and just looking forward to it. You know, today is, is National Tequila Day, and uh, I, it got me thinking, you know, like – Drinking is a, it can be in a way a celebration. Celebrate something. Have a have a drink with your friends. Cheers, you know, toast or whatever. Have you planned out a personal celebration when the baby has finally arrived? Like some people like to go smoke a cigar real quick. Do you have a plan yet? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that smoking immediately uh, after having a, a newborn child coming into the world is like the right move. Um, no, I, I, I don't really think I do have anything planned for that. I think I'll probably just be sitting there, uh, and probably feel about the same as I do now, you know? Mm, no, <laughs> but you're going to be so busy. It, it, you ain't gonna have time. You won't get, it won't be till like three days afterwards that you'll sit down and go, okay. May, I tell you what, Mitch, maybe I'll sit down and, uh, have a Bud Light or something. Well, there you go. Ah. Quick beer, you know? Take, take a load off yet. Yeah. What are you doing? Man? Celebrating, babe. I'm still in my twenties. Come on. <laughs> Watch we'll, this uh, we'll we'll see we'll see if any celebrations happen. I, I really I don't anticipate anything like that. I'm not a big celebratory guy to begin with. So 
Uh, I'll, the celebration will be just her being here, and that that'll be good enough. What about Bud Light one hand, baby in the other arm? You're sitting down in the recliner watching a game. Uh, I mean, I'm sure that's a possibility. Uh, I'm. I really don't want to expose her to Royals baseball this young oh. in life, though. So I'm not really. I didn't sure. say Royals game. No. Child abuse. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know what we're gonna what we're gonna do there. Um, she's actually coming at the right time in terms of you know for Bud's purposes. Like, there's gonna be at least a couple weeks buffer there before like there's anything on TV sports wise that is worth watching. So. You know, I'll at least be a pretty engaged father for the first couple of weeks of her life. Is the George Brett pine tar incident a perfect picture to explain how Royals fans feel about this organization heading into the trade deadline that's a week away? Well, probably. I mean, things just continue to kind of get worse there. I mean, the last time I was on, we talked about, like, would they actually trade Salvador Perez? That's doubtful that they would, even though – He's the only guy that has legitimate value on this roster right now that they could go out and do something with. So uh, I still hold my breath that they would maybe do that. But like Scott Barlow was supposed to be the guy that probably had the most value on the team currently. And for the second year in a row in late July, he goes to Yankee Stadium and gets absolutely whacked and probably tanks his trade value even more. I think in his last 10 innings, 10, 12 innings, He's got an ERA over seven and a lot of other numbers that just do not look very good for a guy that should be in, you know, the the last third of your bullpen. So the Royals probably screwed that up again. And they're they're looking at a really, really dark place. And I, I saw some jabroni on Twitter today asking as somebody had tweeted about being in year six of a rebuild. And he was <laughs> like, Well, that's not very fair to JJ. The 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 clock should reset on a rebuild with a new GM. And a guy that I follow that I think is pretty insightful and funny about the Royals, he's like, well, J.J.'s been with this team since 2006, so I'm not really sure that uh, the clock needs to restart for a guy that's been here for as long as everything else. And I agree. And again, that comes back to the root of what I said the last time, and every time I'll talk about the Royals. The biggest issue was keeping J.J. Piccolo to begin with as the new general manager. I mean, like it's just insane, you know, Northwestern is not going to go out and hire Pat Fitzgerald's number one assistant to be the permanent head coach. You know why? Because he learned from Pat Fitzgerald. And if you had to fire Pat Fitzgerald, you're not going to hire him. Like, that's just not how this stuff works. You know, uh, you can name any coaching situation, and you're never going to look around and be like, hey, you know what? We failed in some categories, but his right-hand man might be the guy for the job. Like, only if that guy was handpicked by the higher-ups and not the coach himself, like, you're just not going to do that. I mean, I think I said this last time. I think I said exactly this. Chris Lowry was not going to be hired as K-State's basketball coach. That's not who was going to come in and be able to fix K-State basketball because they learned from Bruce Weber. So I I just think it's really silly how the Royals are operating, and uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure Big Sherm will get his new stadium at some point. He'll feel great about it, and the Royals will continue to lose because – he doesn't know how to make a winning baseball team, and he doesn't really care. Well, you touched on uh, K-State basketball there in your analogy. Let's jump to the Cats now because we learned last week that uh, the basketball schedule for Big 12 play only has been released. It's still 18 games, five home away matchups. Then you have 
every team playing four only on the road, four only at home. The schedule, once again, the home and away for K-State, BYU, Iowa State, KU, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, the home only, Baylor, UCF, Oklahoma, and TCU. And then the Cats will travel only uh, to Cincinnati, Houston, Texas, and Texas Tech. What were your takeaways from that schedule for K-State? Uh, I I think it's pretty balanced for for K State. I you know trying to look through and determine who got like a worse draw and, and who got a better one. I I mean I'll, I will defend them in this regard. KU got the worst draw possible in this thing because they are going to have to outside of themselves. The other four teams that are going to be at the top of the conference next year most likely they have to face three of them twice. They will have to get K-State, Baylor, and Houston twice next year. The only one that they avoid that's probably, you know, they're, they're thankful for is Texas. They get them once and it's at home. So I thought that they probably had the toughest of the, you know, the doubling up schedule. And for K-State, I mean, I looked at it as this, like, obviously we know KU is going to be tough, but that's a game you got to have on there twice. Makes sense. Totally fine. And that's a game that they probably welcome. But as for the other teams that K-State is going to get to see, twice BYU's coming in they haven't been very good the last couple of years even for WCC standards I I get that some people were trying to talk up going to Provo and altitude and and everywhere's tough on the road for different reasons you should beat BYU twice next year you should beat Oklahoma State twice next year you should beat West Virginia twice next year because they are a dumpster fire right now and I didn't even think that their talent was going to work well before Bob Huggins decided to drink and drive again. So I think I think that's fine. Iowa State obviously is a tricky one um, because there, there can be some talent. Obviously, T.J. Otzelberger knows how to coach. And the one of the few buildings that I will give credence to of being like, yeah, you don't want to go on the road there, like extra than other road trips, is obviously Hilton Coliseum. But I think K-State made out just fine. Um, the only area that I thought – could have been nicer to them was the the single home and road schedule. Um, it's nice to get Baylor at home, but UCF, Oklahoma, and TCU are just kind of meh. Uh, those are games that I think K-State could have handled if they had to go on the road, whereas you look at who K-State has to go on the road to face and the road-only opponents, Cincinnati's really the only one that you go, okay, that's just a, a whatever game. But Houston, Texas, and Texas Tech are all three games that would have been much nicer to have at home as opposed to the road. And in the cases of Texas and Texas Tech, like those are going to be good environments. Houston, it would have just been for the sake of getting to play a team of that caliber at home with your fans behind you, as opposed to going to a very dead and lackluster environment, which is the Fertitta Center, which I've seen over the last you know three years now of living in Wichita and being close to Wichita State. That's not a place that you fear going to to play. Houston has lost actually a significant amount of home games given for what their record has been in in recent years. So the only thing that's scary about that is just going to play Houston and not getting that game at home. But ultimately, I you know the schedule could have been much worse for K State. I think it worked out and it probably evens out in the end in a lot of areas. And somehow Iowa State is able to avoid Allen Fieldhouse's upcoming season. Was not expecting them to not have to go to. Uh... To Lawrence this season, but T.J. Altsberger's uh, team will uh, catch a bone this season. Speaking with Mason, both from email online, got a couple more questions for you, uh, Mason. Uh, switching over to K State football, we know that uh, fall practice starts next week. We're nine days away from K State football. Their season, when it comes to practice, getting underway with email online, going to be obviously 
with tons of coverage on on camp fall camp what are your uh what are some of your main headlines heading into camp that's uh, less than two weeks away well i think that a couple of the things that that probably stand out is uh the eagerness to hear from the defensive coaches and obviously chris Kleiman as well on where he sees certain guys slotting in and how we start to see the the rotation play out for certain positions defensively there are some guys that are obviously solidified and we know that they're going to be pretty good and productive next year like defensive end wasn't really a concern for chris Kleiman. he knows that he's got some pretty experienced players with talent coming back there and obviously the two guys that we expect to start start in brendan mott and khalid duke are guys that you have some faith in and then you, you look around elsewhere linebacker great experience there Daniel Green, if he stays healthy, we know that he can produce at a high level. Austin Moore was probably the breakout guy of the, the season in 2022, so you feel good about him. Really, the questions come in the secondary, and it seems like if you, you look around, we can probably pick who the likely candidates are to be starters and see the majority of reps, but it's still going to be nice to actually hear it from you know, Chris Kleiman, Joe Klanderman, Van Malone, the guys that are with the team on a constant basis and coaching up that position and kind of, kind of gives us an idea because honestly, offensively, like there's not much to worry about right now. And I, I expect a pretty boring, like news cycle for the offense during fall camp. Like we know that they're going to roll with two running backs. The only thing that can maybe pop there. And I, I sort of expect this is like, we get some inkling that Joe Jackson is going to have uh, a bigger role as a true freshman. I think that's a possibility given the fact that he's probably um, going to be the the main like pass catching back for the Wildcats. And we know that Chris Kleiman in year one here in Manhattan was going to use three running backs and did. And then Deuce Vaughn came along and there's no need for two other guys getting the rock. So I think that we're probably going to experience a pretty, uh, I don't, I mean, knock on wood, like a pretty boring news cycle for the offense unless somebody gets hurt. So I think it's all about the defense uh, in fall camp and then just getting to to hear more about some of the, the young, exciting guys that came into the program either in the uh, spring or just made it here in the summer to kind of see where their development is out. And obviously those open practices that we'll get to see are probably going to be huge too, uh, just because everybody's excited to see and hear more about what Avery Johnson is doing. And obviously a guy, another freshman that I think is important to know of is Trey Spivey because he's a receiver with some serious talent. Didn't commit to K-State and towards the very end of the cycle. But like, if you're looking for true freshman receivers that could possibly see the field, he's probably one of those guys. So those are uh, some of the, the notable things offensively. Have you made any bets on 2023 college football yet? No, I have not. I've actually let me tell you something. I have been on my best behavior uh with you know a, a child on the way and and Bud telling me, you know, to to not be spending money frivolously. So, I have held back for the most part. I hadn't really done much probably since uh like mid-April uh with like the role Royals and, and things there, obviously betting against the Royals. Uh, I did I did dip my toes in the water a little bit uh, the uh, over the weekend with the British Open going on, and I looked really good after day one when my Tommy Fleetwood bet was uh, still in there and, and alive, but that ultimately did not work out for me. And then you know, as a as a guy that's about to be. A uh, hashtag girl dad. I got to start saying that so I get social media clout because that's what everybody does now as opposed to just being like, 
I'm just a dad. Don't care if it's a boy or a girl. Going to love them just the same. They're both. They would both be great. Uh, but I'm a hashtag girl dad soon. So I was like, well, you know what? I'm getting this offer to get a little bit of a bonus if I bet on the WNBA over the weekend. So <laughs> I, I was like, I- I'm going to do this. You know, I you know, give me something to watch. And very first WNBA bet, uh, I had uh, the Connecticut Sun minus eight and a half over the weekend against the Atlanta Dream. Watching this Saturday afternoon, and what do you know? Point one seconds left. The dream dump in a bucket to lose by eight, and the bet doesn't cover. And I said, you know what? I'm done with the, the WNBA. It's 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 a it's a no it's a non-starter for me now. The WNBA is out of my mind forever because of that game. Uh, so you know, there was a chance that I was going to grow the grow the game there. Wasn't able to uh, after the uh, the bad beat. So uh, unfortunately, the WNBA has lost my business already. Well, Mason, it sounds like our uh, next conversation, which is scheduled in a couple of weeks. Uh, maybe questionable. So, hashtag girl dad. Oh. I wish you the best of luck. Well, you, I mean, it could be that baby could be here in fourteen days. Yeah. Oh no, it, no, she definitely could. Bother you. Just, it's not questionable. I mean, I, I can I can cut fifteen minutes out of the day, no matter what's going on, unless well, she's actually coming on that day. Then well, we might have a problem. But uh, if she's here or she's not here, then we're good. Well, I'll tell you what. If if Bud's in labor or whatever, and you're just in the waiting room chilling, needs something to do, I'll give you. A, uh, that, that I don't. Work. I mean, unless something catastrophic is going on, they're like, "Hey, you can't be in here right now." I'm gonna be in there, so I don't. I, there's no. There's no me waiting for the for everything to pass before I get to to hop in there. I'm I'm gonna be in. I'm gonna be in the trenches. I in the a, middle of the fire. I, I need odds on Mason passing out. <laughs> my my wife, for some reason, is really worried about that for me. I'm like, I've never done anything like that in my life. Why would you put that on me? Well, uh, Deej, should Mason be ready for some tight hand squeezing? Yeah, get ready for it. And you know what? Uh, man, my wife's going to kill me. Uh, <laughs> puking. Dude, my wife puked both labors all the way through it. I had to be like, I had to hold the like, yeah, I had to hold the pitcher so she could puke. Um, it's intense, man. It, it's intense, dude. Like the, the only reason, um, you know how like when they tell you like you're standing on stage and not to lock your knees. Oh, yeah, do, yeah. Do make sure like, because you'll be standing there like right by the bed. And it's super intense. So don't lock those knees. Keep it okay. bent a little bit. Maybe get in like kind of a two point like football stance a little bit. Almost. Yeah, I might. I just might take a knee. You know, like <laughs> let the doctors coach me up right there. That would be hilarious. Oh my god! On the fun. snap, take one step towards your gap. Yeah, False start. Do not. Do not use a catcher's mitt. <laughs> I would probably need an outfield glove for the baby. Right? A little bit bigger. Well, hey, Mason, uh, you know, another uh, notable thing here, that's about Big Steve. Big Steve is actually getting ready to oh, have a kid. Dude, like tomorrow. Whoa. Yeah. Okay, all, right. all right. Shout out Big Steve. Yeah. So maybe someday. Uh, Big Steve and Little Steve. It, wow. It, we have Mason's baby play date with Big Steve's baby. Yeah. We, we can arrange that. I mean, as, as long as Little Steve is as productive and as much of a go-getter as Big Steve – then I've got oh, no yeah. problem with that. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Little Steve's going to be showing your baby how to use Microsoft Excel. <laughs> uh, oh, please. Uh, my kid has a, a dad that is well-versed in Microsoft Excel. <laughs> and better. I mean, even better than that, my wife like works in finance, so I guess she oh. probably knows how to use it much better than me. <laughs> uh, but uh, please, I'm a, I'm, I love Microsoft Excel. 
Well, Mason, uh, best of luck in that hashtag girl, uh, girl dad traction, and hopefully we'll be talking to you in a couple of weeks. All right, sounds good. It's Mason Voth, Emo Online. We'll take a break. More of the game coming up next. We continue on VX on <laughs> KMAN. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, <laughs> David G, and Travion Berklin. It's not the X Factor, it's just the X. Yeah, careful, because you could run into a trademark type of situation there. Oh, you mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you mean? Oh, I don't know. Maybe something like your competitor owning the trademark as it relates to social networking. I thought I thought the font, like the letter in the font was public domain. How and that's even up for debate right now. Oh. That was the original story, is like and that made it was kind of funny. I mean, them going from a trademark name that everybody knows and image and logo and all that, and then going to something that's completely different. It's boring and it's public domain. It is a complete and utter debacle and a great business study in what not to do when you are operating a well-known business. You know what we do? Let's just completely switch it up, man. Let's, Let's take just that logo. Change it that quickly. Yeah. And by the way, like if you go to a website like a news site and you want to share an article, hmm. It's still got the bird yeah. on the Twitter. Yeah. If you want to share it to Twitter, it's still got the bird. You're not seeing the X everywhere quite I, yet. I think he said that it was going to be a slow kind of rollout deal. They're still working it out. <laughs> oh, Just testing God. the waters. Yeah. We could always roll it back. For sure. Go back to the bird. <laughs> I wanted to bring this up because... Uh, they might not be able to on the uh, side of that building in San Francisco, though. Oh, boy. Happened to be uh, navigating the Sun Belt conference uh, yes. website uh, not too long ago because the news came out for their all preseason poll or I, I, I mix them up the preseason media or it's a coaches poll coaches voting on who in the uh, Sun Belt is going to win the divisions the East and West because K-State plays a, a Sun Belt team this year in the Troy Trojans who were pretty good last year double digit win team and uh, they're the defending champs and they're coming into Bill Snyder Family Stadium in the second week of the season. Well, the, the the coaches have voted Troy to win the West Division, taking 10 of 14 votes. Congratulations, Woo! man. Give me my yeah. belt, baby. Congratulations, dude. That, that's awesome. And I, and, and I thought this was funny. I was like, okay, so I think we talked about it last week that I'm like, I saw it on, on, on X somewhere last week that – Missouri should be more worried about than Troy, and I just laughed it off. I'm like, I'm never going to trust an Elia Dorkwitz team to beat K-State, and I don't care where it's played. I'm more worried about Troy. Troy now is uh, picked to, again, win their division in the conference. But I I, I got a very funny reminder about how the SEC poll turned out. Because you might recall Vanderbilt got – Five first-place votes. Let me take that back. They got eight first-place votes in the division. They got five votes to win the SEC, and they're in the same division as Georgia. That's crazy. Dumb. And I'm like, well, who else is in that division? Missouri. How many first-place votes did Missouri get? Zero. (laughs) And the SEC, I think all but three teams – got at least a vote to win their division. Wow. One of them is not Missouri. And I'm like, Missouri's media 
isn't even biased enough, like pretty much everybody else's, yeah. to pick Missouri to ah, win the division. Ah, ah, ah. Even somebody from Vanderbilt's press is like, yeah, I, th- I can see it happening. Their own man. people don't even oh think they can win God. the division, and Vanderbilt's getting—the Vanderbilt hustle <laughs> is their student newspaper. I'm sure they got a couple of voters that picked <laughs> Vanderbilt to win. Not only that, but there are fans that are on Vanderbilt's athletic department needing to get their act together to at least get a scoreboard in place as they have the entire end zone where the scoreboard and video board were torn up non-existent. It's very preliminary st- uh, like steel like beam work on that in, <laughs> on, in that end zone and yes they still don't have a scoreboard. Oh, 5 yeah. weeks baby. Five weeks to football. Here we you go. Could, you could get a scoreboard up in five weeks. It's gonna very. It's gonna look very construction sighty. Yeah, let, let's go with Nashville. a hand operated one. Did we? Did Did you ever find out? Like, um, was there the, the early line on the K State Mizzou game? That we're a dog to them, right? Like, stupid. That's I, I can't believe that. I think really. Vegas has Mizzou as a like wins lo- or wins over under at six and a half. I'm taking the under. Yeah. They're that, not any good. That is, that's an Elliot Drinkwitz ceiling. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think Vanderbilt was a 500 team last year. Mm-hmm. And they're getting first place votes, and Missouri can't find one out of get out of one. over like th- like 300 people Jeez. vote on that SEC preseason poll, and they can't get none for Missouri, which is just hilarious to me. You know, Troy and I, I, I still probably feels a little premature to talk about him, but I you know I I have them circled big time on the schedule. It's because they just returned a lot of talent on that defensive side of the football that was top 15 in rush defense. I don't think they were too far off in their pass defense. I was reading earlier that they should have a, a dynamite pass rush. Uh, so that would be a nice little clash, right? K-State's offensive line, which is going to be one of the best in the country against a really good defensive line of Troy. It'll be interesting. I mean, It kind of gives me like – remember the, like the Tulane game. It wasn't an easy day running against Tulane. And they had a, a 3-3-5 defense like K-State does. And it was still hard to r- run against that defense. Iowa State, though, was the toughest example of a defense to run against. That was mm-hmm. just all day long. Like, could not get Deuce going. Couldn't get really any of the running game going. Could barely get DJ Giddens going. Like, it was just tough sledding. Like, K-State, I mean, they needed every <laughs> fluke of a long pass play they could get. Absolutely. To win that game against... Uh, to win the game against Iowa State. That Tulane game, that was a really rough passing day for Adrian Martinez. It was a rough day in general for that whole team. And that could be a rough day on the schedule for K-State. I mean, it just, it, you know, still a long ways out. Things could play out a certain way. I still think K-State wins, but it's a serious opponent. I'm taking Troy way more serious. For sure. And as weird as it sounds, more than a SEC team on the road. <laughs> Call me crazy. It's what? just I know that somebody could go back and like disprove this, but it feels as though every year K State has an opponent that they overlook a little bit, and they're like a smaller school, and they end up at least running with them, or sometimes out not beating them. And doesn't it seem like it's Troy? I mean, Southeast Missouri. There's no way. Missouri spank them, and then we start. We're right into the thick of things. I mean, it's got to be them. That's got to be the game where you think if there's going to be a letdown, it could be that one. Um, I do love the 11 a.m. kick, though. That's nice in Columbia. I mean, it, it, here at case, you know, in Manhattan with Troy, I love that. That's nice. And also, like the SEC, all uh, 
like the preseason teams, they actually just they bang out three teams. Right. First team, second team, third team, offense, defense, and special teams. And Missouri only had one total offensive player on either team. What? And it wasn't Luther Burden. It was it was an offensive lineman. I'm like, talk about a burden for Missouri's offense. Like, if you can't land anybody on that list and talk about a burden. Yeah, yeah no. 11 a.m. is my only burden because right. I'm trying to go from Manhattan to Columbia <laughs> and I got Manhattan High and. Oh, man. Yeah. Head, heading over to uh, Columbia for an 11 a.m. game. It's going to be. Hey, Brilliant. Matt Walters used to do that all the time. Yeah. So if he can do it, I can probably do it. Yeah. That's going to be a. That's an old school Mitch Holthus kind of deal. Going to like from when he was talking about would love a plane catching oh, a plane from Cincy to Seattle. Yeah, it's uh, it, <laughs> it it was one of the reasons actually why another one of my old friends, uh, Larry Zimmer, who had the CU gig and the Broncos gig back to back, like Mitch did did very early on once he got the Chiefs job. Uh, Larry's comment to me was, "Do you know how tough it is to get a flight a nighttime flight from Waco?" To Cincinnati. Oh, God. <laughs> Come on. There's not a direct flight every day. Hey, if, there, if there's a donor out there that wants to get me yeah. from Manhattan to uh, Columbia uh-huh. the easiest way possible, uh-huh. I'm interested. Come on. We're putting it out there. Help Mitch. All right. Let's take a break. We're out at uh, we're out at 530, so we'll take a real quick break. And when we come back, a number one song of the day after these words. Back on the game, we finished the hour. I wanted to bring up this story with David G because he's an expert on UFC boxing. <laughs> and I saw this headline earlier today that a already famous name in the UFC and MMA is making his return at the age of 55 in Patrick Militich. I'm like, we, we've heard of athletes coming back before, like after short retirements and making a comeback in various sports. It's happened in all sports. But his last fight was 15 years ago, and he's now 55 years old. Jeez. What, what do you make of this? Because I haven't heard of these type of comebacks very often. You know what's weird is in the last couple of years, and in the last year in particular, there have been a couple guys who have come back, and they've been, like, older, um, and it has not been good. Like, there's a guy, Mark Coleman. Mark Coleman's one of the, like, very first superstars of the UFC. He came back in a boxing match, and like even the sparring that they're showing on TikTok, it looked terrible. It's like get him out of there, man. Um, and this guy, Pat Militich, is like the first ever welterweight champ of the UFC. He was a he's a bad man, a bad dude, but he, it's not gonna go well. It's just it's not gonna go well. It's not gonna look cool, that's for sure. He'll probably end up on the ground. Grapple, grappling. Did, so. did you see like when Mike Tyson? It was he's like going to come back for an exhibition and him throwing hands, him sparring. Did you think he looked good? I thought he looked ten times better than any, any other guy I've seen. Yeah, he looked okay. He looked okay. Hour to the game. We are out at five thirty, so we're going to spend uh, most of the rest of the show looking back forty years ago today in the George Brett Pine Tar incident. Also next, your local news. <laughs>